0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, there is plenty, plenty, plenty to uh, to cover. The first thing I wanted to do, though, was um, go through what Brian Gutekunst had to say. We haven't heard from the GM in a while. There's been a lot of questions um, that are more GM-related that we just haven't really had the opportunity to throw his way. So um he took the time to meet with the media, and I want to go through uh through the press conference. So the uh first question is pertaining to Jordan Love. The question being, do you need more time? Here, here's the overarching theme that I guess I want to pay attention to. And that is there's there's other things being addressed, but primarily Moving forward, are we more committed to Rodgers or Love? Is it more likely that we try to push out Rodgers, or is it more likely that we get rid of Jordan Love? To be more specific. So anyways, with that in mind, the first question is addressing Jordan Love. Do you need more time? Do you need to see more of Jordan Love to be able to make a decision on what to do with him? Here's what Brian Gutekunst had to say.
1: Now we're really pleased with his progression, you know, and what he's been able to do. I think that um, I think would be really good for him, you know, the growth that you need to go through, seeing things for the first time, making those mistakes that you need to make. Um, But I think from our end of it, we've seen what we need to see.
0: So I find that answer to be odd. Now maybe he just took the question to mean, you know, is he good enough to be here? Yeah, we've seen enough to know that he is, or, or something to that effect, because. Both Brian, later in this very interview, as well as Matt LaFleur, have both said that basically everything we've seen means nothing because until you do it in an actual game, you don't know if it's real. He hasn't really done anything consistently in actual football games, so how can you say you've seen enough? So I I, I take that answer to be, slightly I don't I don't think dishonest is the best way to put it but dismissive of the question maybe the question is why and the only the only two things that come to mind would be number one he's trying to dismiss the the uh notion that the Packers don't like Jordan Love but I think more likely is also trying to dismiss the notion that he needs to play this year Next question, point blank: Do you want Aaron Rodgers back next year?
1: Well, certainly that's an off-season off, uh, kind of decision, but surely, yeah, we want all our guys back, and um, you know, we made a big commitment to him this off-season, and um, so that was obviously you know something that was really important to us. But like we've talked about in, in, in the past, I mean, this is something we'll sit down with him after the season, and it'll be something we do together and, and move forward that way.
0: So, yes, we want him back, but. We'll see what he wants to do. Right? The follow up then is well, Rogers mentioned there needs to be mutual interest. It kind of sounds like maybe he thinks you don't really want him or whatever. You know, I guess, is, is there mutual interest on your part?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is mutual, right? I mean, on his part too. So, you know, I think, like I said, I mean, he's, um, you know, what he's been able to do here and play through what he's played through the past six, seven, eight games, whatever it is. I mean, he's a, he's a tough son of a gun now. And, um, so, you know, but again, I think with what he's accomplished here, what he's done for this organization, that is certainly something that we'll sit down together and, and work through as we as we get through the offseason. But those are offseason, you know, questions.
0: So not not very much there other than to throw it back, right? In other words, Rodgers is implying, well, maybe the, the, the team doesn't isn't interested in, in Gutekunst, who, as he said, has already thrown everything into the ring to keep Aaron Rodgers. And to give him all the power to stay, kind of throws it back and is like, yeah, it is mutual, isn't it? (laughs) Like, it comes down to both of us, but mostly him. The next question, do you regret, essentially, the decision to... Give Rogers the contract and and that you gave him and to bring him back.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think I looked at it as like a fork in the road like we were gonna have to tear it down and rebuild or anything like that. So, but no regrets, no not not at all. I think um, obviously heading into the season, uh, being the number one seed the last you know two seasons you know leading into this season, uh, a lot of high hopes, right? You know we were certainly expected to be competing for a championship and we are still in it. You know so um, we were able to you know dig our way back into this thing. Um, we we still had kind of feel like. Um, we have the ability to do that, um, but, but this season has not gone as we expected. Um, so, but I think back then when we made those decisions, certainly we were looking at, at a different different outcome right now.
0: So that was the first answer he gave that seemed as though he says there's no regret, but the way he answered it was, well, base, and, and in other words, in hindsight, sure, but at the time it was the right decision to make, right? He said, based on the information we were looking at at the time, it made perfect sense. And and that's technically true, although foresight, foresight is important. The ability to realize that, hey, if this doesn't work out, we're in a lot of trouble. But again, to, somewhat, it's, it's, to some degree, you understand being a 13-win team three years in a row, knocking on the door is a weird time to start a rebuild. And so, yeah, if your quarterback wants to come back, you... you essentially give him a contract that says let's give you a a relatively short-term contract that says you can leave whenever you want but it, over the next couple of years as long as you want to stay you can stay with the assumption that the wheels probably aren't just going to completely fall off i mean i've invested a ton into this defense the defense should be fine rogers is playing at a high level yeah we're well at, at the time i don't think we knew we were going to lose Devontae, but we were trying as hard as we can to bring back Devontae. we'll see what happens there but um the point is, the wheels did fall off. And he's saying, you know, we're still in contention, all that stuff. But I think he knows it's pretty well over. The, the question, though, is now with the new information that you have, what is the best path forward? And it is confusing because I don't know Brian Gutekunst's answer to that question. I know what his answer was last year. I don't know what it is this year. And again, given Roger's contract, he doesn't have a ton of options, but as i alluded to last night he kind of paints himself into a little bit of a corner and and removing a few of those seemingly remo- removing a few of those more um let's say uh aggressive options but it 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 was interesting the way he answered that question in terms of his desire in in keeping rodgers was solely based on the information he had in other words if he had known what it was going to be. And I'm sure if he was asked point blank, he would evade the question and say, well, no, no, we definitely still would have brought him back. But I don't, I don't know the way, the way he answered that, that that would be entirely truthful of an answer. Follow up question. What, what, what did happen, right? You you had expectations. Everything was great. What the heck, uh, the heck happened here?
1: I think every season's new, right? I mean, every season's different. Um, I think you can't ever really completely count on what you had the season before carrying over to the next season. And I think, obviously, we had some some moving pieces and different things heading into the season. It's just taken us a little while to gel. But I do think that there's uh, been some really positive signs of late, and uh, we just got to continue to be more consistent. But um, I just think you know, it's every season is new. Every team, no matter how talented, has to come together. Um, they have to kind of um, you know go through that early part of the season and find kind of um, their identity a little bit. and I think it's taken us a little while.
0: so most of the beginning part of that answer was a nothing answer. you know, every season's different, blah blah blah, okay, that doesn't mean anything, but um at the end, he started talking about identity, which runs somewhat parallel to what we've been talking about here, which is you know, the the uh, the burning desire, the passion, the want to. Now, he's alluding to the fact that they sort of found it. I think that's BS. I think maybe the offense is finding a little bit of a rhythm. The defense has fallen off a cliff entirely. But again, he's the GM. He's going to put a positive spin on a lot of things. But the, his ultimate answer, whether or not he's implying that they found their identity, um, is that they, they weren't able to find their identity as as being the, the main issue. And, and again, you ask the question, whose responsibility is that? Now, you could say, well, it's the locker room's responsibility, but I'm sorry, you can't fire and rehire an entire new 53-man roster. So try again. Any other thoughts on who else could help direct the identity of the franchise? You're looking at the coaching staff. I'm not saying fire them, but I am saying that they need to reflect on this season and figure something out from that standpoint. And from a GM standpoint, you're, you, you know because we're talking about the locker room being the main driver of that, maybe that does need to be more of a focus. I don't know how they could put more of an emphasis on it because um, they put so much work into finding certain types of people. But maybe, maybe, if I were to try to put a little bit on, this, on, the, on the plate of to who is overly reliant on their personality... Maybe he's too focused on that Midwest nice, you know, type of personality and, and not as much on the leader, um, leadership style person. Maybe that comes with some of the guys that we're not getting. When you when you get the nice guys, you tend to get the more timid people. And, and maybe you got to get sort of the live wire, loud mouth, you know, smashing your head with your helmet type of blood running down your nose type of guys, you know. I don't I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just saying words right now. I don't know. But I, I again I know you can't just get rid of the entire team. And I also know it's hard to grab one or two guys. I mean, you, you can. You certainly can bring in one or two guys to to be that piece. I don't know who that would be right now. You know, once in a while maybe maybe a Charles Woodson hits the uh free agency market and you can pull him in and it makes a massive difference on the culture of your team. Or you know, again, a, a zadarius, and I think that might have been the case. But the team, for whatever reason, turned on Zadarius I think once Zedarius probably turned on the team, and the team then turned on Zedarius, and then the team lost its the defense in particular lost its its cultural identity, and maybe it just hasn't recovered from that. I I don't know, but um, I, I at the very least, the team has recognized the importance of that, and hopefully, we'll find a way to to work on that, whether that's bringing in rah-rah coaches or rah-rah players or something. But to have this much talent go down the drain, certainly something dramatic needs to happen. Then he's asked the important question of why do you need to win these games? Um, Now, the general feeling is coaches want to win, GMs want to lose. But uh, Brian Gutekunst makes it very clear that it's important that we—now, granted— G, the the GM certainly would love as much money as possible, as much uh, draft capital as possible, but um, he also is sort of the head of the team and he wants a healthy team. And so he kind of explains the thought process behind why it's important to win, whether or not you have slim chances or no chances of winning football or, or, or of getting into the uh, the playoffs.
1: I think it's a culture thing. I think winning is a culture thing. And I think it just doesn't, I mean... I don't think we ever roll um, out there on a Sunday or, you know, I guess Monday, Thursday, whatever it is nowadays, um, without the intention of winning, you know. Um, This place has a long history. Um, Accomplishing that, uh, winning this franchise of all time was kind of cool yesterday, um, and rightly so. And um, I just think that's what this place has always been about, and and at least while I'm here, it's always going to be.
0: So considering culture is sort of the problem with the team, I think that does make some sense. Um, I I I tend to think that may be a a little bit overstated. I mean, if you're a three, four, five, six win team that's trying and losing, is that really going to galvanize the team? I mean, look at the defense; they've been trying all year. Does that seem like a healthy locker room to you? In other words, the the dichotomy that's painted, the the picture that's painted between. If we try hard, then, then everybody's going to be super motivated and excited and they're going to work hard and they're going to do all these things. And if we don't try, then they're going to fall apart and everything's going to be terrible. And, and again, don't try. What does that even mean? Nobody, nobody's saying, walk into the locker room and tell the players, I don't want to win anymore. Nobody's saying that. We're talking about giving increased opportunities to younger players. And, and maybe that'll tick off some of the guys, but it's not going to make the younger players upset, right? So not everybody's going to hate this decision. So I don't think it's as black and white as it's being painted. Because again, we're not, first of all, it's it's inaccurate to say giving up on the season. That's what I've said about Jordan Love. You are expected to go out and win. I'm not asking you to lose. What I'm saying is we need, for the good of the team, some younger guys to get more snaps. And, and, and if the players on this team are too immature to handle that very obvious reality that, hey, going into next year, we want to make sure that we have a really solid football team, so we want to make sure that the... Now, Jordan Love might be a different situation, but if you're talking about Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Turre, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, I mean, Quay's already getting a ton, Kingsley, who's already getting a ton, but uh, Zach Tom, whatever. And, and Zach Tom would be tough, too, if you're talking about sitting Bakhtiari because the implication of getting rid of them. But listen, if, if you're, let's say, Jair Alexander, And, you know, Bakhtiari's all jacked up all the time, and and Rodgers doesn't have very much longer. Do you think he doesn't want to see some of the guys that are going to be here when he's here kind of stepping up? You think he wants to see this team take a nosedive when Rodgers leaves or take a nosedive when David Bakhtiari goes out? He wants to win, right? Isn't that the whole point? So we're going to try to make sure that we win as long as we're here. The only guys that are are only concerned about this year are guys like Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari guys who are only going to be here for this, you know, Mercedes Lewis. I think Jair's not going to take that very well. You think Elton Jenkins is, is going to be mad that, you know, Zach Tom, who's probably going to be playing along with him, along that offensive line for a, a long period of time into the future, longer than David Bakhtiari. You think he's going to be mad about that? Why would he be mad about that? I mean, we as fans can be concerned about the future and, and wanting to make sure that we're good next year and the year after that and year after that. Why is it we think players are, are so immature that they only care about this year? And if if we don't, you know, keep the veterans who are banged up and injured and, and not playing well, if we don't just force them. A, and, and that's the other thing. How does that even account for this year? Hobbled Bakhtiari and busted up Aaron Rodgers, who's not playing all that well? is that even about this year or is it just about we don't want to piss off the veterans? And by the way, if you're doing that, I'm guessing some of the non-veterans, that's probably not super healthy for the locker room. So again, I, I get it to a point, and and maybe it's it's more healthy for the locker room than than the alternative, but it's certainly not as black and white as it's being painted. I don't buy that for a second. Next question, and we probably should have played rogers press conference i guess because there seems to be a lot of thought that rogers thinks that the packers are trying to push him out the door we can get to that in a minute but um the question is i don't know why rogers would say what he said so have you expressed to him directly that we want you back next year yeah that's probably a
1: better question for him but no we haven't I mean, we talk. we haven't really talked about those things that's we don't talk about those things during the season very often we just talk more about our team when we when we, when we, when we speak um, certainly that'll be something we get to when we get out. But, I mean, again, we went through something in the offseason where it was a very big commitment on our part. You know, it wasn't certainly for one year. So, um, you know, but no, we don't we We're really have any conversations about that.
0: Again, Brian Gutekunst seems borderline offended. It, listen, you got to understand from his standpoint, too, and, and it makes sense that he would be offended by this line of questioning and possibly even by Aaron Rodgers' comments, depending on how it's being read by him. Um, Because... He did break this team's back to commit to Aaron Rodgers, and he did it because he got thrown under the bus because apparently he's not doing enough for Aaron Rodgers. He's not communicating enough. He's not giving an, uh, enough of his job away to a quarterback. He's not committing to him through the contract. And so now he's, he's retooled his entire schedule, his entire life, this entire team around Aaron Rodgers. They're having one-on-one meetings. They're, they're talking about personnel. He gave him a contract that gives Rodgers basically absolute power. And now he's being questioned about, are you not doing enough to commit to Rodgers? I'm sure that's pissing him off a little bit. Then a very good follow-up question to the earlier Jordan Love question. You've seen like a game and three quarters of him. How can you say you've seen enough? In, in yeah, way. I just think
1: he's had, you know, I think obviously we've seen him for three years in practice and doing the things that he's doing. I think, you know, there was a stretch here while Aaron's been banged up where he's had a lot of, of um, reps with the ones. I think it was, it was great for him. I think it was just, you know, it was great for us to see, but it was also just really, really good for him and experience, you know, game planning each week. And, um, again, I mean, you know, I think quarterbacks got to get into this league, play a bunch of games before they learn how to win. Um but I do think we feel very confident that, that Jordan can move the ball, score points, and do the things
0: that we ask of our quarterbacks. So, so that that was in, there's a follow-up here that's, that's well, let's just play it.
1: Do you feel confident at this point with what you've seen that he is a starting-level quarterback? In the league? Yeah. yeah. Now, again, those guys got to go out and do it in real games and, and, all, and all that, um, and I think that's important. Um, but all young quarterbacks go through a period of time where no matter what individual success, they, I think it takes them a little bit of time to learn how to win in this league, and that's going to be important for Jordan whenever he gets his opportunity, um, but that's a big part of it. I mean, it's, um, you know, learning learning within the game is very important for that development.
0: So again, it's, it's confusing to me because, you know, my thought prior to Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst's comments was maybe, maybe, and this was posed to me by a lot of callers and whatnot, maybe they already have made a decision on Jordan Love and so they don't need to play him. All right, fair enough. They have seen a lot of them. Just because we haven't doesn't mean we need an answer. They're the ones that need the answer and maybe they have their answer. Well, Gudakun's right here while while saying we've seen enough, essentially said in the midst of that we haven't seen enough, right? You 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 have to play actual games. Now, it is a slightly different answer saying I believe he has what it takes, but it's still going to take time and further development in games, but he will get there. But I I don't think you can know that, right? I mean, it's very similar to what I've been saying about Justin Fields. Just because you've seen glimpses of the talent, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of things of him in practice, you don't know that you'll have consistent, sustained success in live football games. He said you got to learn how to win. Well, winning is really all that matters. And if he doesn't learn how to do that, then he won't be the guy. But, you know, through all this, it's, it's, I don't know. There's just a feeling I get with this Jordan Love situation where, although he's very complimentary and, and very, you know, yeah, he's, he definitely can do it. And, and whenever he gets his opportunity, slash wherever he gets his opportunity, you say that, but just something to keep in the back of your mind, we think he'll be just fine. However, we're not even considering playing him. We're not even considering putting him in over Aaron Rodgers. Why? well, we need to win, okay? You can't do that with Jordan Love? I understand it's a really, really tough spot that they're in. I'm just trying to read between the lines because some things that I thought made sense, they're they're seemingly having no interest in whatsoever. Here's one of, one of the more interesting uh, things that was said because I, I had said, having listened to Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, once we're eliminated, they're going to shut him down, right? They're going to shut Rodgers down. There's no doubt in my mind. Um again just based on the comments it sounds like Rodgers is ready to be shut down but he he's again he's not going to take himself out but he he came out and said you know I'm I'm open to you know listening to what they have to say about it and all I mean just kind of volunteering that kind of information and everything that um say, saying I'd be open to it you know right? he easily if he was offended by that could have shut that down and just said you know, I, I I am the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and as long as I'm healthy, I expect to play. He didn't say that. He's like, you know, I'd, I'd be open to it if they wanted to, you know, whatever. Shut me down. I'd be willing to have that conversation. I'd be understanding of it. You know, I mean, that's not what I would expect from Rodgers and, and Matt LaFleur kind of, you know, saying we'll have those conversations or whatever. It just gave me a very strong impression that that was the intention. Now, it, it ultimately, I believe, is going to be up to Matt LaFleur, and and they're going to have a conversation with Aaron Rodgers but I was surprised to hear Brian Gutekunst's answer to that question of of would you shut him down when you're mathematically eliminated Yeah
1: I think you know obviously if we get to that point we'll you know we'll, we'll kind of look at, at those things but I think no matter even if we're eliminated from the playoffs which uh, it wouldn't be ideal I said we're going to still go out to win the game right I think that's really important um, there's a bunch of guys in that long, locker room that deserve that so we're going to go out to win the game. We're going to make the decisions that are in the best interest of us going and winning the game. You want to see him win a game? For sure. I mean, I like yeah. Whoever's playing, you know what I mean. So um, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's it's as long as you know, I think whoever gives us the best chance to win needs to be out there. That's only fair to this locker room. That's the way I feel about it. I think Matt feels the same. So um, again, um, there's always kind of you know different ways to look at things. But football is a little bit different game than some others, um, so um, we'll make those decisions when we get when we get there. Uh, what's best for the football team and going out and winning those games.
0: So, so maybe maybe the follow up question just kind of threw him off or something. I, I don't know, but I really feel like he painted himself in a tough corner with that that little line there. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say we're 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 always going to try to go out and win, right? No matter who the quarterback, is. like because now it's oh yeah, it definitely could be Jordan Love but we're still going to win that's what i've been saying this whole time but then he threw in the line about whatever quarterback gives us the best chance of winning because at that point now again injury is still a possibility and they could still try that line which i th- i personally think is bs because if he was if he's not the best quarterback today why wouldn't he be sitting he's injured right now are you saying he's not the best quarterback that's that's the problem i have is Brian Gutekunst said, we are going to play the quarterback that gives us the best opportunity to win today. It has nothing to do with tomorrow. It's 100% about who's the best quarterback to help us win today. You're benching Rodgers. What you're saying is that you think that Jordan Love gives you the best opportunity to win. And I'm not saying that that is the reason, but that is what you just told the locker room. That is what you told Aaron Rodgers. That is what you just told the world. It's it just makes it really difficult at that point to play anybody but Aaron Rodgers. When you've declared that the only thing that matters is winning, and we will do everything we can to win football games, we're not playing players um for the for the sake of evaluation. We're not doing that. And whoever is the best player will play. So if Devontae Wyatt isn't ready, he does not get more reps. Not a single more rep than he's than he's deserved. Because this is about winning. It has nothing to do with evaluation. It has nothing to do even even with just growth and and getting better over time. Um, so again, it just it. If nothing else, that line can come back to haunt him. Um, if a member of the media wanted to <laughs> really just punch him right in the gut, if we did start Jordan Love after the buy, they could immediately throw that in his face and say, "You said." The best quarterback that gives you a chance to win is going to play. Do you think Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? Now, again, he could throw out the line about the injury and say, at this time, we just don't feel Rodgers is is ready to play. But I mean, it's all—it's that, that would just be fake. That suddenly we realize his injury is bad after we're mathematically elim- eliminated, and prior to we didn't think his injury was that bad. Like, come on, man. Now now you're playing stupid games. I mean, now we're talking about lipser. And and the problem is you're the one who said all these things. You're the one who talked about the importance of of the locker room, and now you're laying it out there that um despite my belief that that this is what's best for the locker room, we're not going to do it. Had you come in with a different line of thinking, like my line of thinking, then you could make those adjustments and say this is what's best for the team. Right? But you're saying what's best for the team is what's best for this year, and then you don't do what's best for this year, which means you're not doing what's best for the team according to your own words. I don't know. It's just it's just a weird situation that, that leads me to believe that they are not going to shut down Aaron Rodgers um, as long as he's willing to go. And the only other recourse here is that they lean into the injury thing, which I just don't think you can do honestly, unless a new injury occurs, which you're either gonna to have to lie about and manufacture, which I don't think Rogers would go along with, or um you're 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 just gonna to have to again pull that, that nonsense where you pretend that the old injury you just suddenly realize is, is 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 a problem. Like as soon as you're mathematically eliminated. Like, come on, man, this is stupid. The only other thing that you can do. To to kind of make it seem a little bit more genuine is to do it after the bye. Now he's probably gonna be most healthy after the bye, but to say that, you know, after having this week we we've realized that, you know, Rodgers needs a little bit more time to recover. Things aren't healing the way that we had hoped, and we're concerned about not just this year, but but his future, et cetera, et cetera. So we're hoping to have him back this year. We'll see how his thumb progresses, but in the meantime, we're gonna have Jordan Love out there. Knowing full well that Rogers thumb is not going to heal in, in four weeks, and we're probably not going to the playoffs, and even if we did it won't heal in five weeks or six weeks or however long before we get eliminated and the season is over. but I, I, again it's just it's very similar to uh, the whole contract situation with Rogers to begin with, where he just seemingly painted himself into a pretty tough corner to get out of outside of just Rogers plays the whole year, which is the only recourse i the only honest recourse based on what he said that I can see left. He was asked about the trade deadline. Uh, I kind of don't care, and I think it's kind of obvious, but I don't think we've heard from Gutekunst since then, and it's been a big point of contention for some fans, uh, the same fans that always want us to go all in, and even on a season like this, which is staggering, when we realize that going all in is the problem, um, yeah. feeling like we didn't go all in enough. It's just hilarious to me. But anyways, here is what he had to say about the trade deadline and, and why they didn't you know, go out and just get this freakish guy that doesn't exist.
1: Um, there was lots of, um, I don't know what you call my, there wasn't really any opportunities that presented themselves that made any sense. Um, there was a lot of conversation, you know, and there's a lot of things that, Hey, this might, this might help us. Um, but it's like anything, I think you have to have a walkway point. And, and when, when those prices became certain prices, we walked away.
0: So, I mean, again, th- th- this is obvious information. Brian Gutekunst has demonstrated that he's not afraid to be- bring in free agents. He never has been. He's brought in an insane amount. Um, That was the first thing when Brian Gutekunst got here is we were shocked to hear the Packers are interested. The Packers are interested. The Packers are interested. Granted, a lot of those are just phone calls, but then you start seeing a a ton of players come in. Some of them are big name players. Some of them are big contract players. And um, they, many, many, many of them are high impact players. uh, Even if we didn't expect them to be so, The fact that we're questioning him and his desire to bring people in is insane to me. Um, At the very least, we would just expect the guy to do his due diligence and not overpay for, for garbage, even though that's exactly what fans want, which is hilarious because we can maybe only do that once, and then we're completely out of money and out of options, and we have no picks left, and more than likely the player is not even going to be all that good, and we overpaid for him. What you never want to do is overpay for anyone. If anything, you want to underpay for most of your players. But um, I I just I I I don't know. I mean, again, there's there's nothing there of interest to me. It's it's very obvious. He's going to, you know, I I again, I almost kind of see it like flipping. You know, I I I did that for many years. It's it's unbelievable amount of fun. I just got to the point where it was. First of all, we ran out of garage space for all the items. Plus, I hated listing and. Shipping and all the stuff on on eBay, but man, I, buying and selling and everything that was that was I loved going out and doing all that. But the bottom line is, it it really doesn't matter what you're buying. The point is, buy low, sell high. We have a salary cap. We only have so much money, and we have to spread that across 53 guys. The best way to stuff a a locker room full of 53 guys that have more talent than everybody else, who's only allowed 53 guys and only allowed the exact same amount of money is to buy low. Buy it for less than what it's worth. If you get it for what it's worth or more than what it's worth, you're losing. That's basic. And the fact that so many people want us to overpay for players is is insane to me. That is the quickest way for a franchise to go to zero. We have a salary cap. Do you understand what that means? You're lighting money on fire. You only have a certain amount to use and you're starting it on fire. If a player is worth 20 million and you give him 25, that's, you're lowering your salary cap by $5 because that's $5 million you can't spend somewhere else. And if you do that consistently with most of your players, especially big-name players, where you pay them for more than what their production is going to be, then you will have less production because that's, that's essentially what you're buying is production. How much production can you buy depends on how, much you, how cheap you can get it. Overpaying means necessarily, mathematically, logically, that you're going to have less production. This is basic. This is addition and subtraction. This is simplistic stuff. If you believe we should overplay for, overpay for players, you're not very smart, period. You're losing production. Anyways, what happened to the defense is the next question, which, again, I found a little bit interesting um, because he tries to be very evasive and just not really answer it, but I kind of feel like he gives a little bit of an answer there.
1: You know, I think certainly we've had our struggles as of late. Uh, I thought there were some good things last night, and we got some turnovers, which was important. Um, but, um, you know, I think there's a uh, – uh, it's never one thing. It's, a, it's always a bunch of different
0: <laughs> – So he, he's got these canned lines just to try to get himself out of uh, things. Hilariously, one of them is it's like anything. The other thing that he says a couple times is it's never just one thing. It seems like when he really doesn't know what to say, he just kind of refers back to these canned lines, and it's – you can tell it's just buying him time while the gears are turning on how the heck do I answer this question.
1: Different things, and I think, um, yeah, I thought early in the season there were some really strong flashes of three, three outs and different kind of things. We were generating a lot of turnovers early, um, and then we just kind of got into a stretch where you know we weren't playing as well as I think we can.
0: Um, that right there is important. We're not playing as well as we can. He's clearly coming down on the side of we have a lot more talent than what we're seeing being utilized properly on the field. Now, as he says later on, he's not the guy that hires and fires the defensive coordinator. That is 100% on Matt LaFleur. But it's pretty clear, based on what he just said in his assessment, that they're not getting the best out of the talent that they have.
1: But, um, again, I've seen some growth over the past few weeks. um, Liar. Different areas, it's just uh, the consistency part is is what's been a little frustrating.
0: Name one thing, literally one thing, that you've seen growth from. Maybe some of the rookies like Devontae Wyatt I think we've seen some growth from. Kingsley and Igbarre. Who have you seen growth from? Not Savage, not Amos, not Kenny, not Preston, not Devondre. not Quay, I don't think. I mean, not the last few weeks, maybe since week four. He's taken a step and then kind of stayed in that range. Not, uh, not Razul. He's gone backwards. Not Jair. He's gone backwards. Who have you seen? Name one person. Not Dean. Not Jaron Reed. Nobody has grown in the last three to four weeks. Not one person. I mean, Rudy Ford, maybe he's referring to, but but he hasn't gotten better. It's just... We've put somebody else in place of a guy that was like the worst on our defense, in 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 Darnell Savage, you know Keyshawn. I guess has stepped in very briefly in the slot. Now that we lost Stokes and Razul had to go outside, so we put Keyshawn in there. But are we saying that it's it's the 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 growth is getting rid of our our really high end first and and. Or Yeah, two first-round picks have been replaced by essentially two undrafted free agents, and that's what made us better? Is that what you're referring to? Because otherwise, I can't think of a single area of growth on this defense. So, yeah, I called him a liar, and I'm going to stand by that. Aside from some some nuanced metrics that maybe he's talking about, like early on we had some three and outs, and I really saw some great things like picks in this game. Like, Come on, man. I understand you're just trying to get out of this question, but that's stupid um then he was asked about I, I skipped the next question but the one after that was about christian watson just kind of what do you think and is this what you expected from him
1: yeah you got to give that kid a lot of credit because obviously the way the season started you know, going into camp with the with the surgery and then you kind of have to miss that time and then just kind of falling behind and, and because of different injuries and stuff you know i think a lot of a lot of guys that would have been it right you know hey let's get let's get to the next season and see how it goes but um I give him a lot of credit for not losing faith and not, you know, not losing his work ethic, um, because when the opportunities presented themselves, obviously he's uh, he's made the most of them. So, um, you know, the, I think that the thing I'm most proud about with Christian right now is just I think he really has a desire to be great, and he's, he's not walking around here like he's arrived in any, any way. Um, I think he he truly wants to be the best version of himself that he can be, and um, you know, there's still a lot of work out there for him, but. I think it's always exciting to see when young players finally get opportunities, them being prepared and um, and ready to make you know contributions. And you got to give, you give our, our coaching staff a lot of credit there as well, because uh, again, um, when those opportunities presented themselves, he was ready and he took advantage of it. And Rome did early in the season as well.
0: So not a ton there that I can elaborate on, but it's always just good to uh, be able to hear what um, to to be able to hear anything about Christian Watson. Is, is always a good thing. The only thing I, I, I will say is there is a guy on this team that never gets talked about that maybe should be talked about. You know, we talk about Matt LaFleur, we talk about Adam Stenovich, we talk about Luke Butkus, we talk about Tom Clements. The guy we don't talk about is Jason Vrabel. Jason Vrabel is our wide receiver slash passing game coordinator. And I think it's only fair. I mean, you look at the offensive line last year, we talk about how great Stenovich is, we look at how, how, how big of a step. The offensive line is, is already taking this year. And you look at Luke Butkus, you look at the run game and, and you say, well, Adam Stenovich is the, the run game guy. You know, the, the steps of Jordan Love, uh, Aaron Rodgers has given credit to Tom Clemens. We've seen Randall Cobb have the best year of his career since, since the last time he was with the Packers, probably. We've seen an injured Christian Watson step in and become a superstar. We've seen Romeo Dobbs come out of nowhere and, and essentially become a superstar. We've seen Samori Ture, a seventh round pick, make some serious strides as a receiver. I think, you know, as as much as we can credit Matt LaFleur and, and Senovich in the scheme, as much as we can credit the players themselves and and, and for finding the right players, as much as we give, you know, Rogers credit for, you know, being able to get them acclimated. I do think Jason Vrabel deserves some credit for making sure these guys are ready and up to speed. Because that, that that's that's a major component, if nothing else. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to be on the field. It's entirely possible that all of this Christian Watson production could be sitting on the bench because he just doesn't understand what to do. Same with Romeo Dobbs. He didn't have to be out. I mean, no, it's not entirely true. There were situations where Watson and Dobbs had to be out there, but um I I I, I just wanted to put his name out there because we never talk about Jason Vrabel. And and to be honest, I mean, he's not just the wide receiver coach, he's the passing game coordinator. It's a pretty it's a pretty big job. And um, you know, again, the 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 passing part of this is really starting to open up. Now, I, I do think a lot of that has to do with LaFleur and, and Watson really opening up a lot of space and things like that, but um still. It's working. He deserves the credit. This is running a little bit longer than I expected. We're already 40 minutes in, and we still got a lot of Brian Gudikins left, so we probably should go ahead and take a break. That's why I didn't tell you what was coming up after Brian Gudikins, because I knew there was a chance that this would just be the whole show. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and look at that, and maybe something else. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Um the next question I kind of thought about skipping but there's a couple nuggets in here. Number 1, do you have do you breathe a sigh of relief when Christian Watson is is performing well but also because you did a trade with the Vikings and you you shipped them some picks. You, uh, is there an extra added sense of um relief I guess because it panned out because not only, you know, you you you're, you're, you're kind of helping the Vikings a little bit too.
1: I always have a sigh of relief when our players do well, you know. Um you know, but uh, no, I don't. I don't. Necessarily, I mean, I, we kind of move forward. I'm not really looking back on all that. I just, uh, um, I'm just really happy for the for the player and for Christian. Um, he's done a heck of a job um, on his own, fighting through some of these things and just being prepared for his opportunities. And um, it's not easy making it in this league, especially as a young player and, and coming in with a with a quarterback um, who has a standard that is so high. You know, and so those guys have been fighting. Um, really hard to get to that to that standard and, and to see that kind of come to the other side of it is kind of really nice to see.
0: Yeah, so I, I, my my stance on that has always been I don't really understand the idea that you never trade within a division rival. I don't understand that at all. Um, I, I think trades are meant to be lateral moves. And so it's not a matter, I mean, if you're if you're helping your rival, aren't you hurting yourself? I why would you do any trade? I mean, it, it, forget it. The Saints, the the Bengals. Why would you trade with the Bengals if you're helping the Bengals and hurting yourself? Well, you're not hurting yourself. It's 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 meant to be a a one to one exchange. You know, when you go to the grocery store and you pay ten dollars for something, how much is that thing worth? It's worth ten dollars. So you're paying ten dollars for a ten dollar item, right? That's the whole point. It's a one-to-one exchange. It just so happens that they want the $10 and you want the item. It's so the same with a trade. I'm giving you the 34th overall pick worth of value in two other picks. So I get pick 34 and you get pick 34 expressed in two other picks. It, it's 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 like giving somebody change. Hey, do you have a change for a, a, a 20? You, you know, Yeah, here's five fours. Five fours, four, fives, good Lord, it's early um, that's that's the point and and then to complain that, oh, I can't believe you gave your your rival four you know four dollar bit four or five dollar bills. well, he gave me a twenty, yeah, but I mean, you don't give your rival money,, I didn't give him money, we exchanged an even amount of money. And you know it doesn't make sense for Vikings fans to be mad that they gave the Packers something, and Packer fans would be mad that we gave the Vikings something. Who won? Who got more? The point is, hopefully nobody. That's the idea anyways. I mean, somebody's going to win. and and you know, mathematically speaking, it's usually the team that trades down. and, and that's why the Vikings were consistently trading down because they have a, a statistics guy running their GM department, so he you know they, they're probably going to be trading down a lot in their time, in his time there, because that's what the numbers say, that trading down is, is the better value. But looking at it now, we got Christian Watson, and what did they get? Did they, they they could have gotten Christian Watson in that spot. Now, maybe they wouldn't have drafted Watson there, but it kind of feels like we're winning. We got Christian Watson, they got Andrew Booth and Ed Ingram, and, and I think Andrew Booth is injured right now. Um, But Ed Ingram is one of the worst pass-blocking guards in all of football. So... Yeah, you're probably better off with two second-round picks than one second-round pick, even an earlier one. But uh, again, that's not really what's in question here. The Packers felt as though moving up was the best option. If the Vikings are willing to do it, then then do it. Why would you not do it? Well, I don't want to help them. Help them? You want to be in the spot that they're in. If they're willing to get out of that spot, good. Get them out of there. You think it's a good spot and you want to just let them have it because you'd hate them so much? What sense does that make? So, I don't know. I just I to to a very small degree I get it, but I, I overall I don't. If there's something you need to do to help the team and the only one willing to do it is is your rival, then do it. Make them move back. Give them give them a fair value. I mean, as low as possible. If you can give them a little less, that's great. And once in a while, you're going to pay a little more or pay a little less, but it's still what you're willing to pay, right? I mean, if you're going to give $25 for a $20 item because you think it's worth $25, then it's still an even exchange. You're giving 25 for something that you think is worth $25. you are paying fair value for whatever you think is fair because ultimately you're not paying for the pick, you're paying for the player. And if you think Christian Watson is worth the 20th overall pick, And yeah, you're willing to pay a little bit more. In fact, in your mind, you might still be underpaying, even if you're overpaying for the pick, because you're underpaying for the player. Again, yeah, you don't want to help the Vikings in in whatever way that you might be helping them or hurting them, because again, you're making a move out of that spot. But you also don't want to help anybody. But but you got to trade. You got to do what you got to do. So yeah, I mean, it would definitely suck if the Vikings drafted two superstars, and then everyone's going to say that's your fault because you gave them those. But it's also very possible they could have drafted a superstar in that spot, and you just kicked them out of it. They could have had Christian Watson. Could you imagine if they had Watson and um, Justin Jefferson? How stupid this would be, and how much we'd be talking about how how dumb Brian Gutekunst, so he didn't trade up in the first round to get any of these guys, Olave, or blah, 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 blah. He could have traded up in the second round to get George Pickens, or to get, uh, I think we needed a trade up, maybe not. Or Christian Watson, and he didn't. Well, he did, we got him, and now it's, well, I can't believe he traded with the Vikings. Like, you just shut your mouth, ever. Anyways, a follow-up on Christian Watson. You, you mentioned Matt LaFleur and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of saying, as far as evaluation early in the season, there wasn't a ton there with Christian Watson. A uh, ton of reason to believe that he would be much early on, and then then a, a switch flipped. You know, Rodgers has constantly been talking about that one play and how it's changed his entire trajectory, um, you know, with, with everything. Um but essentially, what is what is your stance on this Mr. Brian Gutekunst?
1: I think it's just really opportunity, you know I think and that's usually what it comes down to for a lot of players, I mean you know, especially young players, is um, having opportunity to go out there in games and make their mistakes and still get to the other side of it, you know still get the opportunities once they make those mistakes. And um, you know, with Christian I mean it he wasn't he, he's not been perfect, you know, but he you know he had some opportunities didn't go his way. Um, but he never, um, he just kept kept moving forward, kept fighting forward. And I think that's kind of a great lesson for all, all of our players is that it's never going to be perfect. You're going to have some mistakes, but if you keep moving forward and you keep, you know, keep grinding, you know, when the opportunities do start to fall your way again, then uh, you've got to be ready for it.
0: I think that this, what he's saying is absolutely true. I think it should be more of a lesson for our coaches than it is for our players. If anything we've learned It's that players get better with more opportunity. Young players develop faster, obviously. I mean, we're just talking about how many snap counts until you figure it out. Why would we delay their snap counts? But also, and another thing I want to look at, not today, probably tomorrow, if I think about it, I just took a note, um, talked about A.J. Dillon. Well, look how much better he's getting. Well, look at the snap counts. We're talking about 18 opportunities as compared to what, his seven opportunities in the past he's not doing as well? Opportunities matter for a lot of different players for a lot of different reasons. And um, I think we've seen a a very large sample size now of, of that reality. And I think we need to start leaning into that more, right? Usually the Packers like to let people sit on the bench until they figure it out and then put them out there. And then they get that sort of year two, year three emergence. That was Rashawn Gary, right? We're going to give him just a a little, little spoonful here, a little spoonful there. And he didn't develop until essentially year three. But what I had pointed out is he essentially blossomed into the Rashawn Gary we all know and love in the same amount of snap counts as J.J. and T.J. Watt. But they did it in year two because of opportunities. So we essentially squandered an entire year of full production from, from Rashawn, theoretically. I don't know that this is the case, but theoretically because of us being so slow into bringing people along. Christian Watson, gee, wouldn't it have been nice if we had done this early in the season? Well, yeah, but he did, you know, the injuries. And Let's be honest, though. A lot of it had to do with not giving him opportunities, not thrusting him out there. And, and listen, that's going to mean you're going to struggle earlier on. But we, we have, and, and there are going to be players that just don't figure it out. But I, I do think we need to push more. I think Devontae Wyatt needs more opportunities. You know, Kingsley should have been getting more opportunities earlier on. Look how much we're being rewarded. I mean, Zach Tom, all these guys are rewarding us for more opportunities, and we're just refusing. I mean, this year we're doing it more often than, than we've ever seen. I mean, Quay started day one. The fact that Romeo and Christian are already at a point where they play a prominent role if they're on the field. The fact that we have a seventh-round pick playing, and I know some of that has to do with injuries and lack of players, but um, there's, this needs to be a wake-up call for the coaching staff that we can't just hide from these guys all the time and just you know say, well, they, they don't fully understand it, so they can't be out there. B.S., they got to be out there. they got to fight through the growing pain. And yeah, that, that's going to make it harder to win on Sunday sometime, but maybe it'll help you win later in the season when it matters. Yeah, a guy like Devontae Wyatt's going to make a bad decision in week two, and it's going to lead to a big run, and, and who knows what that could mean, and it could be devastating, and oh my goodness, and, uh, and fans are going to say he's a bust, he's a loser, I hate him. Put him out there. Same with Stokes. Stokes was thrust into that, that role. Where would he be right now if that wasn't the case? I mean, he's injured right now, but he developed. I'm not talking about elite player, whatever he's going to be, but you want him to get to that point as fast as possible. We need to push for more opportunities, not less we're way too dependent on on veterans even even lesser i mean you you get rookies because football's a young man's game these guys have much more athletic potential than than your veterans do they don't have the know-how they're not as good of of being fully developed nfl football players but the quicker we get them up to speed the more we get young youthful version of this guy and there is a balance but i just think we're we're too tilted in the in in one direction and that is you don't play until you demonstrate that you know how to play, like perfectly. You know, Dean Lowry will start over Devonte Wyatt for as long as Dean Lowry's here, because Dean Lowry understands the defense inside and out. He's incredibly intelligent. The problem is his athletic potential is very limited, and he, he 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 does a good job with with a lot of different snaps and a lot of different times, but he also fails a lot. So will a rookie. But it'll just be different. One guy is is an athletic freak that makes plays with his when his potential just shines and everything kind of the stars align. And sometimes he'll he'll not know what he's doing and he'll make a mistake. Well, with Dean, it's he's very rarely going to make a mental mistake, but his athletic limitations are going to cause just as many problems. So what's the difference? But if we can get Devontae Wyatt up to speed mentally, then you've got a great football player. And this again, we've we've kind of squandered this first year. So again, similar to what we have with Rashawn, by the time year three rolls around and he's slowly starting to get it, he's only kind of going into year one and a half or year two in terms of his snap counts. Had he been playing an entire year? I mean, if he was playing an entire year, by next year, there's a good chance he'd be ready to go. But because we're really bringing him along slowly, I don't know that next year's going to be enough time. I mean, it's just an example. I don't know. Maybe by this year, I mean, he's already arrived. I don't know. We'll get into the grades tomorrow, but the highest graded defensive player in this past game was Devontae Wyatt. No, it wasn't just because everybody else sucked. There were five guys with pretty high grades. Devontae Wyatt was was borderline elite in this game. Now, it's it's very inconsistent, but still, it's there. Was it small snap counts? Yes, it was, and that's part of the problem. He had played some of his lowest snaps uh, the entire year in this game, but that's where he needs more opportunities to be able to shake that out, and, and they're not wanting to give him that. You know, and plus he's he's already an older guy. You know, if we wait until year three, he's twenty four now, twenty five next year, he will be twenty six by the time he. Figure, I mean, it's still plenty of time. We're talking three, four solid years, five years of of playing for us, but sooner the better. You know, he was asked about uh, Watson and Dobbs. You know, how good can that be, and how can that stress defenses? It's, um, I guess I won't say it's not a GM question, but it's a kind of kind of more of a coach's question but still interesting to hear his thoughts on it
1: um you know down the road yeah i mean i think you know when you throw samari in there as well i think he's done a heck of a job as well it's just it would be nice to get all those guys you know out there at the same time and getting opportunities um but you know obviously alan and kabi and and even sammy have done some good things for us too so it's it's a little bit of a crowded room but i do think i'm 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 very high on on those guys ceilings and what they could do as a group
0: So again, kind of a nothing thing, but it is kind of interesting that we've talked about all the things that aren't working. And as much as, again, everybody wants to trash the Packers for wide receivers, one of the few things that's actually working on this team right now is the wide receivers, (laughs) which is what it's always been. No matter what the problems are, wide receiver is not the problem. That's what everybody wants to harp on. Well, you don't do enough with wide receivers, but that's never been the problem for the Packers. Not to say that it couldn't be improved. Well, you could get a better number two or a better number three or whatever. You don't have the number one wide receiver group, whatever. But very rarely can you go back over the last 30 years and say, man, the wide receiver room is one of the biggest problems. Nonsense. And on that note, the very next question is, did you do enough at wide receiver, essentially? right? You went out and got three wide receivers, but was that enough? Did you want to go get a veteran? Which he did go get a veteran, but we'll just pretend that he didn't, which is a very common thing that we like to do is to pretend that he didn't go out and get a, a, a free agent wide receiver. And you could say, well, it's not panning out. Okay, well, none of them are. Which free agent wide receiver right now is just cutting it up? Is Julio even playing right now? No idea. He's been out half the year. But anyways, leave that alone. Um, here is his answer to that question.
1: Well, I think we kind of did that. Obviously, Randall came back, Allen brought back, and Sammy went, went and got.
0: So What?
1: I think we brought some experience in the room that wasn't in the room prior, right? You know, I mean, it wasn't in the room. We didn't have under contract, right? So we brought those guys back, and um, that was important. Um, we look at, as you guys know, our process is to look at a lot of different things when they when those things become available. And we, we certainly, whether it was in the draft last year um, through training camp and the trade deadline and all those things, we looked at a lot of different things. And, um, you know, you, you always weigh the um, how how that's going to affect your club, you know, like if you bring in a player from the outside and um, how that's going to affect the room itself, you know, and, and the opportunities those guys get as well. Um, so we looked at all that, and certainly if, if the right guy was there for the right price, we would have done that, but it just it, uh, never materialized. So,
0: Which, again, is, is weird to even say, like, well, we, we could have brought in somebody, but it didn't materialize. I mean, we could have brought in... Another player on top of the three veterans we brought back, or, or you know, three veterans we brought in, two of them we, we decided to bring back, one of them we brought in new, and then three wide receivers we got in the draft. Yeah, I guess we could have done more, but it didn't really materialize. But also, stupid question. <laughs> the follow up on that uh, essentially, how do you self scout? You know, how, how do you go back and, and evaluate what you've done? thing and think you know I, really it's there. always
1: 2020 20. i think you never really know um if you're talking about bringing outside players and here you never know how that they're gonna you know just because
0: they flourish somewhere else doesn't mean
1: they're gonna flourish here
0: You never. what know. come on now Gute Kunst. if they're a big name player that has had success in the last seven years obviously they're going to come in here and win us a super bowl that's obvious this guy's an idiot really know that um
1: but ISS, i assess that we're five and eight so that's at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, and um, but yeah, you always study, I think, the things that uh, in the past just to kind of you know, I think that's always important, uh, but you can't dwell on it too much. You got to keep moving forward.
0: I'm just, I'm just curious thinking. because you look at Christian and you look at Romeo, it looks like you picked two really good players, and Samari could be as well. But you never had a situation where rookies had to come in. And do what they've had to do right away, right? Like when Devontae was a rookie, you already had Jordy and Randall. When Jordy was a rookie, you already had Jennings and Driver. And I'm just wondering, you know, you get a deal done with with 17 before the
1: 2021 season, and now you've suddenly got the best receiver in football, and you got these young guys who are developing at their pace. And yeah, but we probably wouldn't have them. those young guys. You know what I mean? It's easy. It's easy to go back and they say think that. So, no, so I just I think it, you know, it's like.
0: So even the follow-up of, oh, you don't think so? Like, you wouldn't have brought him in? No. And and a lot of people are giving him a hard time. I'll let him finish the the answer, but I saw people on Twitter giving him a hard time. Like, oh, yeah, right. Like, you like you didn't need wide receivers if, if Devontae... How many years has he not gone out and gotten wide receivers if there wasn't issues with Devontae? Right? So, yeah, it's entirely possible that they don't go out and get three... You know, they, they don't bring back Lazard and Cobb and bring in a, a free agent veteran and go get three uh, rookie wide receivers if there weren't some issues with Devontae. Right? And that's obvious. And I also saw somebody else on, on Twitter. First of all, the, the the first objection was, oh, like you didn't need more help. That's not the point. How much help? Maybe he gets one mid-round God maybe it's it's Dobbs maybe it's not maybe he gets a, a, depending on how the draft falls and a, at what point you decide to do what changes everything it's a whole butterfly effect maybe you get one mid-round guy or uh, you know later second instead of trading up do that's the other thing would you trade up in the second to get a wide receiver or would you just stay where you are and get somebody and and then who would that be Khalil Shakir or something I, I don't remember where he went but you know how would that have changed things? And then somebody else said, well, I thought you always drafted based on on uh, best player available, not need. Doesn't it sound like you're you're drafting based on need? Again, the way that that works is it's every team drafts based on need to some degree. It's just a matter of how much and how aggressive you're going to be with your needs as opposed to letting things fall to you. But the way that works is everybody's on a tier. And when the time comes, there's a pile of five, six, seven guys that are sitting there that makes sense. And of those five, six, seven, you pick. And you're going to pick based on your need um, from that pool. Now, maybe there's only one guy, maybe there's only two. And, and in the case of trading up, that might be a situation where, yeah, you're, that's entirely based on need. And if you have a very serious need and you're looking at it saying, dude, we got this one guy left in Christian that we really like, otherwise there's nobody. And we're in a lot of trouble, so we need to make this move. And so you make the move, so that you're you're still picking the best player available, right, in that spot. But you made the move so that the best player available just so happened to be a wide receiver. So yeah, they are picking the best player available, but every team to some degree is going to be trying to fulfill their needs. And and sometimes it's it's not. It's just the best player, and you just hope for the 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 best. But there are going to be, when you go back and look, a lot of the biggest needs are going to be addressed in the draft, and that's always been the case every single year. And uh, yeah, Devonte leaving makes it so that one of the biggest needs we have clearly is um, is wide receiver. That's that's obvious, and that is worth noting. You know, oh man, just think if if Christian and Devonte were were here still, there's a very good chance Christian isn't here. If, uh, if Devonte's here and Devonte Wyatt probably also wouldn't be here. We would have, we would have not had that, that first round pick. And so when our pick came, we would have taken the first, assuming he's still there, the first guy on our board, which would be Quay. And then in the second round, we're probably not packaging a bunch of, well, we wouldn't have even had picks to package to begin with because one of the picks came for Devante. So, I mean, that even, <laughs> that's the other thing is. Oh, you mean you wouldn't have gone and gotten? How would we get Christian without the pick that came from Devontae? We couldn't have. We couldn't have gotten up there and gotten him. Now, maybe Christian would have fallen anyways so that we could have packaged a third-round pick and and moved up enough to get him. But would we have even done that? Probably not.
1: Like anything, I mean, it, it changes the dynamics of what you think you might need. You know, right? And um, again, that, that there was there was money and draft picks involved in those things that really kind of didn't didn't make a lot of sense to us. Um, he's a great Devontae's a great player, and um, you know, certainly keeping him running was a priority for us. But once we realized that's not what he wanted, and we weren't going to be able to get a deal done, it was really just a matter of we could franchise him, and, and there was then then that became you know a whole different uh, set of decisions we weren't going to be able to do. So. Yeah, I mean, you could, again, I don't spend too much time looking back there. Um, whenever you lose a player... And
0: the the idea, if anybody has it, which I can't imagine why anybody would, but the idea that, you know, why didn't you keep Devontae so that you could have had all of this, that wasn't our choice. So number one, we wouldn't have had all these same guys. Um, and number two, and, and that's not just the draft picks. Not only when we have lost a first and second round pick, which means no Christian Watson and probably no Devontae Wyatt, and, and and a whole bunch of different picks, maybe no romeo dobbs and and some and and all the rest of the guys because again everything shakes out differently and your needs are different and who you've drafted already changes and who you draft going later and everything changes um but but also the the free agents would, would Lazard have come back would Randall have come back would uh Devandre or or any of these guys who knows because we don't have any money anymore um but, yeah, be, beyond that, it just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a, a silly thing to just assume, well, if, if Devontae was here, everything would be the same. And then look how good you'd be. And by the way, we wouldn't be good because the problem is the defense. It's not the offense. It's not the passing game. It's not the receivers. It's, it's, it's to, to a lot of degree, it's not even the quarterback, even though he's taking a step back. The issue is the defense right now. That's why we're losing. That's why, or, you know, we didn't lose last week, but going forward, if we lose more than likely, it's not going to be an inability to run. It's not going to be an inability to pass. It's, it's our defense's inability to do anything. The,
1: uh, the caliber of, of Tay, you know, it's going to, you're going to have to overcome it. I mean, you're going to have to, like, do different things to overcome it, and I think we struggled out of the gate to do that. But, um, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, that room particularly looks pretty bright moving forward.
0: Right. It does. So let's stop squabbling over wide receiver, especially over a guy that left of his own volition. It was his decision to leave. We didn't push him out the door. They, they tried to overpay him, and he wouldn't stay, which is probably a good thing because it would have just been another contract that we can't afford on a team that just is still going to zero. We may have won a few of these games. It's entirely possible, but but this defense is so bad. It doesn't matter. Next question, which is a very good question because although he's not going to answer it, I still want to hear his answer. If a team calls you and says, I want Jordan Love, what do you think? Those are
1: hypotheticals, and we'll, we'll kind of see where we are at that point. You know, I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, um, we're really excited about Jordan, you know, and what he, where he's going, where he's developing. Um, like I said, we'll get to the offseason. We'll work all through that.
0: Now, again, I, I, you don't want to read too much into it because he's essentially just laying down a rule that we're not going to get into hypothetical situations and we're going to leave it alone. However, I'm willing to bet there are certain people on this team that if you were asked that question, the answer would just be flat out no, right? If uh, if a team called and said they wanted to trade for Jair Alexander, if a team called and said they want Christian Watson, if a team called and said they wanted Romeo Dobbs or they wanted, uh, you know, Quay Walker or Eric Stokes or I don't think you'd say, you know, that's hypothetical. We'll, we'll see where we're at at that point. The answer would be no. The answer would be no. So... I mean, it, it, in a sense, it's an honest answer in that, yeah, we have to figure out what we want to do with the quarterbacks. and We're not sure. And I, I do think trading Jordan Love is on the table. And I think the reason it's on the table is because we need an answer from Aaron Rodgers, and depending on what that answer is, maybe Jordan Love just isn't going to work out. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a question of how much somebody would. If somebody's going to give you a first-round pick for Jordan, and Rodgers says, hey, I'm coming back. It might be worth it, especially when you look at that twenty twenty four class. There's a certain guy in there and you're thinking, hey, you know, Jordan's kind of run his course, he's kinda getting old. We do we wanna, you know, pay for him to to stay here and sit on the bench and then maybe it doesn't work out and going into like year five by the time he takes over, and then we got to evaluate him and it's year six or seven by the time we realize whether or not we wanna keep him. Again, I don't think we'd get a first round pick, but but yeah, I'm just saying hypothetically, if that happened. Part of the reason why Gutekunst said, well, we, you know, we got to see. It's all hypothetical. What, what what, are the details? You know, if we have another bad season, we end up getting a, a top 10 pick, plus we have another first-round pick from a from a team that's probably pretty bad that needs a quarterback, and their quarterback is Jordan Love, who's probably not going to, you know, necessarily win him a bunch of games, especially in his first year. You get another high pick, maybe you go up and get that guy. Now, from my standpoint, I don't like that it's hypothetical because I don't like the idea of just getting rid of him blindly when he's demonstrated that, hey, this could be, I mean, could you imagine if we had that guy, that third guy in a row, which is just, I mean, un, unheard of. It's like being struck by lightning three times. Once is is hard enough. Twice is is unbelievably rare. Back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Imagine if we had a third and we traded him away. That would just be the worst thing ever. And so at the very least, let's just make sure he's not that guy before we move on. Can we do that? Can we make sure that he's not the next Aaron Rodgers? Uh, he was asked again about the defense, you know, but kind of specifically, hey, there's a lot of talent here. Why are they not producing? Because that was his answer to the first question, is they're not producing. Why are they not producing? And remember, last time he didn't really want to answer it, and he kind of went along with the it's like anything, and um, every year is different because he doesn't want to answer it. Coaching,
1: well, well, how's, how's that happen across yeah, the yeah. think It's never one thing. As you know, it's never one thing.
0: I think and I, that, that's his filler of I, I can't think of what to say. Let me throw out a couple lines while I try to figure out the words.
1: I've said this before up here, like we, we do have a lot of talented guys uh, on defense. Um, but they got to come together as a team, you know and that, that takes some sacrifice on their part as well as everybody in this building to be you know, if you're going to be a good team, you're going to be a good unit. there's a lot that goes into that. Um, so um, again, we've got a lot, of, you know, a lot of season left. You know, we've got four games that are really important to us around here. Um, you know, and I expect those guys to continue working towards
0: that. So, and, and, and that's an important thing that, you know, it's, it's, it's a locker room issue and the locker room is on the players. But again, what do you do about that? You can't force them to come together as a unit. You can't get rid of them all and go out and get new MVP caliber, you know, pro bowl caliber players. So what do you do? This is where, again, I can't help but look anywhere else but the coaching staff. Although, the only other option is just let it ride and hope that they figure it out. And if they don't, then we just stay garbage. I, 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 I think that you can be inspired to come together. We see that pretty much everywhere that, that they are inspired. It's, it's, it's led by a coaching staff. Again, the, the Detroit Lions and their head coach, he's, he's, he's got that, those guys fired up. Now is that a locker room thing? Of course it is. But where did that locker room culture come from? The tone was set by the head coach. And now the the culture is certainly a locker room thing and the, and, the, and it's it can run on its own. But it didn't just come out of nowhere. It's 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 it is an identity that was first reflected by the head coach. And 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 the point is and and listen, Joe Barry I think was sort of that guy. I mean, we talked about you know, his high energy and all that stuff and you know, maybe the thought was he could kind of bring that energy and be that locker room guy, but for whatever reason, they're not buying it. So it's it's not like we didn't try to bring in a guy that could be that. You know, he's got the scheme and he's got the energy and he's, he's a he's a, a guy that people like and rally around. Swing and a miss. Try again. Next question, is it hard to figure out what to do in the off season if you don't know if your quarterback's coming back?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think, again, we're fortunate to have really he said, I don't think so. Two really good quarterbacks, and, and as we move into that time period, we'll, we'll make those decisions as we go. But um, as I've been taught uh, from the time I walked into this building, whatever comes with having great quarterbacks, it's worth it. So.
0: so that that, I think, really fed into giving an explanation of why he's been doing what he's been doing. He was brought up with the idea that whatever it takes to get a good quarterback in the building is worth it. And that goes back to the value thing, too. It's like, well, you don't pay for overpay for players. Then why are you doing that with the quarterback? Are, are you overpaying? Can you overpay for a really good quarterback? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, but um, it would take a lot to overpay for a guy that, that has the power in and of himself to drag a football team. Now, that brings you to the question of is Aaron Rodgers even that guy? Which is what makes this whole offseason interesting because if that is his focus is I'll do anything to make sure that this team has a high quality quarterback. If the assessment is Rodgers isn't that guy anymore, what do you do? I mean, there isn't somebody immediately in front of your face, but I also would be shocked that a guy with that mentality, unless you believe Rodgers is still that guy. But if, if you're unsure of that, it would be staggering to me to, to let Jordan Love walk out the door. So I, I don't know. I mean, he, he's, he dropped that line as if to imply that we'll do anything we can to keep Rodgers here because he is that guy. But again, he's also made comments about, you know, everything he did in terms of his decisions for this year were based on information he had prior and certainly things are different now. So, I don't know if that was just a a, a line to drop because it felt appropriate and it was certainly complimentary of Aaron Rodgers or if that really is still his thought process of we'll we'll do anything we can to keep Rodgers here because he is that dude. And if that means, you know, Making further commitments and and dumping Jordan Love because it's he Roger says he wants to play, then you know we don't need Love around here. Then so be it. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell when they're giving you an insight and when they're just saying things to say things. Next question is about David Bakhtiari. You know the the is the injury risk worth the the cap hit worth the uh, you know the salary that you're paying him.
1: Back's been through a tough stretch here, right? You know, I mean, he, he actually, you know, as, as he got through the beginning.
0: It's weird he calls him back. Anybody else call him back? Isn't it Bach? Bach Tiare? You call him Bach for short. He says back. You know, the season he went through
1: a stretch of games. That Thursday night game, coming off a of Sunday night, you know, a Sunday game, and um, where I thought he played really, really well, and and, and it was holding up really well. And obviously, the, you know, just snake bit with the appendicular, and, and what he's going through right now. Um, but he's playing at a very, very high level. Left tackles don't, you know, grow on trees, and uh, we've had some guys fill in excellent for him. I and mean, Zach Tom coming in and doing what he's done as a rookie, uh, and some of the late-minute, you know, last-minute uh, fires he's been thrown into has been pretty impressive. So, um, but again, another off-off-season decision. We'll, we'll try to um, get through all that stuff and see how everything fits. There's so many things that are interdependent on each other, but um, you know. Um, Again, he's playing at a really, really high level for us.
0: Another thing I'm, I'm starting to think, and this isn't meant to necessarily be a knock on Brian Gutekunst, it's not to even say that he's wrong in this, but Ted Thompson had guts. He really did. I mean, he, he had the guts to, first of all, do, I mean, be his own man, which Gutekunst does too. Um, but Ted Thompson always let people go, usually right on time, but if anything, a year too early. But the, the point is we're not gonna have any negative ramifications of your fall off. So if you have one more good year and then fall off, fine. But you're off our books at that point. A lot of GMs, I, I you know, I picked on the, the Vikings a lot for hanging on to guys for way too long, just just out of fear, essentially. I kind of am starting to pick up that vibe from from Gutekunst lately. Um you know, again, the, the over-reliance on Aaron Rodgers, and now you listen to him talk about David Bakhtiari, and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's still playing at a high level, but I get that, but but at the same time, his injuries are becoming a problem. And you know that it's just a matter of time before it falls off, and it sounds like he wants to hold on to them and let them tank tank while we're paying for them. And um, I feel like we're, we're, we're I mean, you just look at this year, we're, we're, we're now a team that holds on to a guy a year too long as opposed to a year too short which is a divergence from from Ted Thompson and I think maybe a lot of fans would like that you know let's let's get their last good year and then move on but some of these guys I mean they they could fall off right after you give them their contracts I mean the, some of these guys have they're we're, we're talking a lot of big dead cap hits at that point when you've got you know every year you got a guy that that fell off and is still under contract and then then you got to get rid of him a year early and so you got one bad year that you paid for him and then the next year you got a dead cap hit um and you're doing that every year so you've got a lessened salary cap and um yeah it just again he's got that that mentality of you know whatever it takes to have a good quarterback is worth it and 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 you know good left tackles don't grow on trees it's all fear based and and I get it I'm again I'm not just trying to straight up knock the guy but it does seem very fear based you know well well we can't just get rid of a left tackle we can't just get rid of a quarterback if you hamstring yourself or handcuff yourself is probably a better way to say it. Um, in 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 those ways, you know, I mean, even the Devonte thing, he was he was not willing to let go of Devonte. It was it was essentially, I mean, he was willing to massively overpay Devonte, and the only reason he's not here right now is because Devontae just straight up told him, "No, there's no amount of money. I'm not coming back. I will be going to play for the Raiders." And um, <clears throat> again, their only recourse would be to essentially get into a bloodbath of, of franchising him and saying, we will not allow you to leave. And then he says, I'm not playing, and it just gets real ugly from there. But uh, I think if, if Gutekunst has a fault, it's it's an unwillingness to let go and, and to have the courage to let guys walk out the door and trust that I've done a good enough job, I've done my job in, in finding replacements. And, um, and, and the coaching staff is similar. It's what I talked about, about not letting young guys play. There's an over reliance on on veterans and just being afraid of young players and being afraid of the future and, and clinging so tightly to to everything. Um and I understand the fear, but it's it's going to hurt you in the long run if you hold on to guys too long, is all I'm saying. So I mean, we'll see what they do. Uh he, he may end up moving on from Bakhtiari and and he's certainly shown signs of courage. I'm I'm not trying to just again be overly uh critical i'm just saying if if there is an area that concerns me it's that it's that he seems unwilling to to kind of let go of certain players because of these these adages or whatever that he has about left tackles don't grow on trees and whatever it takes to to keep a good quarterback you do it and it's like we're 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 giving up everything we have to to cling to everything we have i mean even aaron jones and again it it was it's great to have him but we're, we're breaking all kinds of rules, including you don't pay running backs. And I just feel like eventually that stuff's going to catch up to us. It's, I mean, right now it maybe already has, we have a ton of really big, ugly contracts that we're locked into and we're not a winning team and there's nothing we can do about it. So it, it kind of already has caught up to us, I think. And then, uh, a very important clarification here. Um, does Matt have a hundred percent control of the coaching staff or do you guys have input on that? That is, you know, good accounts, Russ ball, Mark Murphy.
1: You know, Matt, Matt, Matt has, you know, he's going to, can hire him. That's, that's his decision completely. Um, you know, um, but we are, you know, Russ, um, Murph and I are, are all, um, supportive of whatever he, you know, we support him in whatever ways we can.
0: So that's the end of it. Um, so in terms of input and, and helping the 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 hiring process and the searching and and you know helping with, with those kinds of things, they will do that. But but you know, this is on Matt LaFleur and and the concern then is, you know, we had talked about maybe needing to get to the point where somebody steps in and, and makes the decision for Matt. And I appreciate to some degree, the fact that they do kind of do a hands-off thing, like that's his role, this is my role, you don't tell me what to do, I don't tell you what to do kind of thing. But at the same time, that's kind of what got us into trouble with um, uh, Mike McCarthy, I could not think of his name, is that he had complete control over that that room and he just was not willing to make the right decisions. And it, it took several years of things just falling off before Mark Murphy had to step in and say, I'm taking control I'm making the necessary changes because you are not doing what you need to do, um, and you you hope it doesn't come to that point. But that's that's sort of the concern: is there there will not be an intervention this year? I don't believe. I mean, there may be pressure. You know, there may be. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversations <clears throat> and um, maybe trying to push them in that direction. But if if Matt Lafleur decides to bring back. Joe Barry, that will be entirely up to him. And I do think it's it's less likely that we move on if it is entirely up to Matt LaFleur than if it was a collective effort or if, if Brian Gutekunst, who is disconnected, or Mark Murphy, who's disconnected from Joe Barry, just makes the decision outright. I think that would be a more clear decision. But um, we'll see how it goes. Anyways, this ran very long for one 20-minute <laughs> press conference. Not even. But we'll leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.